0: He died for you, he died for me From our sin he set us free He loved to save his life he gave So if we ask we can
1: Hello, I'm Rick Hurtless, founder of His Gospel Power. Thank you for joining with our program today. It's been a wild week. We've had a lot of things going on as we discuss the scriptures of 2 Peter, and we're in the first chapter, and as we're looking at what Peter has to say about the Bible, what the entire Bible has to say about the Bible, as a matter of fact, and that's how our studies go here, as we try to honor God in all that we do, which is discussing the entirety of the Bible and not just picking little pieces here and there. But that's why we continue the Scripture as we start from one, ver, chapter 1, verse 1, and we continue on through however many chapters there are in each book. So we are now in the book of Second Peter, first chapter, 20th verse, and it says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. In other words, the prophecies that were given were given by God and the prophet himself did not interpret it without God interpreting for him. In other words, he was given the interpretation by God. And so as we um, understand the Word of God and understand the power, we understand the Old Testament that we've discussed because Peter is talking about the prophecies that have come true, that have happened. And so we're talking about these prophecies and that we're talking about the fact that they were, have come true in Jesus Christ. All the prophecies pointed to the Messiah and the Messiah who is Jesus Christ. And in fact, all of those prophecies, including Christmas, including the, the time of Christmas when it talks about Bethlehem and how the Messiah will come from Bethlehem and he will be a... Um, a descendant of david and and all of these all of these prophecies that Jesus fulfilled as you consider jesus christ's life and how all of those prophecies actually did get fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ, so we are talking you know this is leads us to all kinds of topics in the world as we talk about prophecy because we are in the last days. And the prophecy that we are also talking about, that we started this uh, discussion about, was the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so that Jesus will be coming again, knowing, uh, in verse 16 it said, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. The next time Jesus comes, he will come in power to destroy all sin and to collect all of those who have worshipped him and who have been called by his name and who have accepted him as Lord and Savior. Ron Stortle is in the studio with me. Merry Christmas, Ron. Well, I guess I need to put up my Christmas lights
2: then since we're getting close because I haven't put up anything yet.
1: Yeah, it's been a little bit... uh... A little slow for me as far as that part go, although I think we're doing that this Friday. We're gonna, we're gonna start putting up our Christmas decorations and all of those things. Uh, this is just a favorite time of the year for me. I don't like, what I don't like about Christmas is the constant focus. I don't, now understand what I'm saying. I don't like the constant focus on the Christmas presents. I don't mind the Christmas presents, I think they're great. I think it's great that you give people presents, it makes them feel good, it's all that. But the stress and anguish that people have because they can't afford much, that's the part that I don't like, because then it makes you even forget what the season itself is about. It makes you forget that the season itself is about coming together as a family, about focusing on Jesus, about knowing that he is our Messiah, that we have accepted and that uh, soon that he will be dying on the cross for our sin so that we might have eternal salvation for all that believe in him. And, and so that's the problem I have with the presence. It's not the presence themselves. I think they're great. I think that if you can do that, fine. But I what I see is people focus on the little trivial junk that they can't give. When it means nothing, because most of the time, most of that junk gets broken the first day. I mean, these toys and stuff kids get literally last year when my grandkids got some toys, literally the first day they had them, they were broken. And so what is that worth? What does that teach them? I don't, I don't like that part. I do like the fact that it teaches them, of course, that you should love people and give them things, but you should do that throughout the year. You don't have to have a special day to do that. I like to give my presents to every single uh, person I can throughout the year. I don't want to have to necessarily wait. And I think what's even
2: worse than focusing on the gifts is the attitude of those that don't get what they want. People should be appreciative of everything that they get, or if they don't get anything, to not be sad. So when people don't get gifts... Look at their attitude. It's almost like they, yeah. they
1: deserve something at Christmas. I or, or just as bad. Well, I'm not going to give them anything because they don't usually give me anything. So is that a gift or is that just paying somebody back? I Quid mean, pro quo, yeah. right? Is that yeah? Is that uh, you're just uh, basically purchasing something with another gift? You're going to give me a gift. Um, it's bartering. Yeah, I'm one of those, (laughs) hey, how about nobody give anybody anything? Take the money you were going to spend on someone else and buy yourself something that you want. Or give it, give it to somebody. Go wrap, go wrap it up yourself. Go buy some, some food or something for, you know, whatever. Buy some food for the hungry. That's right. Take me out to dinner, Rick. I'll I'll be happy. That's right. I I was thinking more you take me out to dinner, but okay, that's all. Hey, hey, we're good with that. You know, uh, um, the thing is, is that God wants the focus to be on Him on everything we do. And even though I personally don't believe God set up Jesus' birthday uh, for a reason, I do believe that since Constantine the Great came up with the idea that it was a focus on Christ, and I think his heart was in the right spot. I think the focus has now become on presence and on uh, commercialism and all these other things that really doesn't have anything to do with God. It does, Okay, it does show someone you love them. I get all of that, but it's like you said. Um, if they don't get something, then they get pretty upset about it. Or if they uh, get something and um, um, and then nobody else gives it back to them, they're, they're, it's like they're purchasing. A, well, I'm not going to give them anything next year. Well, no, that's not a present at all. So I've had an idea
2: that I thought about for any pastors out there. You might take this as an idea. Why don't we have church on Christmas and? Every gift that you were either given or going to give to somebody, how about we bring those, give to the church as an offering for the church to give to the needy? I think that would really change people's ideas about what they asked for if you knew that what you were going to receive was going to go to somebody else. Because as America. Like a good idea. Yeah, why not? I mean, instead of a kid asking for an iPad... Thinking they deserve it at ten years old, my goodness.
1: Yeah, I mean that's only a thousand dollar toy. Yeah, right. That you know, or you know, you can get them cheaper than that. Sure, but I mean, but, an iPad they're almost a thousand dollars. But if our kids,
2: yeah, but if our kids had instilled in them, hey, what you get, you're going to give to somebody else, because that was the purpose of the birth of Christ. Gifts were given to him
1: so that he could. Actually, the, the, the point of the, the gifts for the, for the birth of Christ was that he was the king and you never came in the presence of a king without a gift. That was, that was what that was about. It was not about exchanging anything. Oh, well, yeah. Was, no, that's what I meant for, it was for him to, right.
2: to fulfill his purpose. Right.
1: Yeah. Exactly. As the king. Right. I, I mean, that's the whole, that's the symbolism of bringing a gift. Uh, at Christmas back then for them to bring gifts to Jesus because you never came into the presence of a king without a gift. That was a capital offense.
2: Yeah, so if we did that within a church where you brought your gifts to the church so the church could give those away to fulfill their purpose, sounds like pretty close of a concept to me. Yes, exactly. But so I, I think it would change on, people. That's
1: honoring God. It would be honoring Jesus, which is basically what the gifts did in the first place.
2: Yeah. And I think it would change people's philosophy of what they're exchanging
1: gifts for in the first place. Right. Exactly. So, you know, as we go through the Christmas season, um, I'm excited about this season. I always think I feel better about I just feel better right now. As soon as November 1st hits. I mean, I love Thanksgiving. And what is Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is giving thanks to God. That's what Thanksgiving is. It's, it's really... It didn't have anything to do with the pilgrims, even though they're really, I guess, the ones who started it. But the only thing it had to do with the pilgrims is they recognized that the provision came from God.
2: Yeah, so blessings. And You're... they
1: gave thanks for the provisions given, which is what we do now, in Thanksgiving, theoretically. Of course, <laughs> now, I mean, there again, we, we have obscured the day. Um, Thanksgiving has become Turkey Day. And football. All right. It's no longer, it's no longer Thanksgiving. It's Turkey Day. And it's like, well, okay, great. But what does that do? It doesn't give thanks to anything. You sure ain't thinking that turkey. (laughs) (laughs) Not afterwards, at least. (laughs) You know, so, uh, once again, we have, as a culture, have, uh, destroyed the original intent of that holiday, which is to give thanks to God for the provision that He has given to us,
2: yeah, uh, think about a schedule for Thanksgiving. You wake up, you watch some parades, you have lunch, get full, and watch some football and fall asleep while you 're watching football and then you and go this home. year i didn
1: 't watch any football at all because it was uh, it 's a day of uh, uh, of pro football, and i don 't watch pro football. I have watched it since the first guy knelt down, and I refused to watch it. I have not watched one since, as far as i 'm concerned, that 's also dishonor. When you're dishonoring your people, your government, according to the word, you're supposed to honor your government. And so that's dishonoring them. Uh, so it's, it not, let alone it's dishonoring the, the vets and everybody else and the first responders and everything else. But so I've not watched a football game this year. And guess what? I haven't missed it either. I, I'm like, I don't even, I'm not worse than aware, as you say, you know, it's like, it has not bothered me. I haven't missed anything. It's not, I hadn't worked, woken up with some kind of withdrawals or some sort of void in my life. It's like, well, I just don't care. Well,
2: and I have to say, I, I'm not missing much either. I've always been a 49ers fan. So especially this season, I, I really have nothing to watch. Sorry, (laughs) 49ers. I'll still support you,
1: but you know, well, I'm just sorry you're a 49ers fan, but okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean that's the whole thing. I probably, I may never watch another football game in my life, as far as the, as far as the professionals go. Now, when my grandkids want to play, I love to watch them. I like to go to their basketball, baseball games, and everything else that my grandkids participate in. But it has not gotten down to to that level, or in this area, anyway. There have been some places it has, but still, the focus of what we're talking about about the season is the focus on Jesus Christ. So as we continue, 2 Peter one twenty one. for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. How many times have you heard someone say that they didn't believe in the Bible because it was written by a man? This, according to this scripture, that were not written by man, which of course we already know because you read the scripture from Timothy that says every scripture is God breathed. If it's not, then it's not scripture. You know, you can take Plato or any of those other guys. That's just junk. That was written by a man. And even though it has some philosophy and some philosophies that are kind of good for life, for the most part, it's just junk. Uh, but every scripture is god breathed it comes from the wisest being who is god yeah and he this the same reason
2: that jesus gave the apostles the complete understanding after his his resurrection between his resurrection and ascension it's not in here or not in the Bible, exactly what he said, even though we have the apostles' teachings after that. Not everything was put in the Bible, but we have the teachings and the foundations of it. God didn't, God, yeah, God could have pulled a, a Joseph Smith and miraculously, you know, popped a, a book out of the ground and there, there we had it. But by using humans to spread his word and to write it down, it gives it to me, more more practical
1: application. Exactly. It gives it that human flavor and and a flavor for the culture. I mean, I'm not going to deny that the culture, you know, we talk about the culture all the time. Uh, I'm not going to deny that the the Bible was written through different cultures so that people could understand it. But even through those cultures, sin was still sin. Well, if we just look at the four Gospels, why do we need four
2: Gospels? Right, it's four different points of view right. of the same stories. Exactly, nothing wrong with that. We uh, maybe maybe you understand, or like Matthew, where I understand
1: Mark a little better. Well, not only that, and and in, in the four Gospels, their differences make corroboration. In other words, I, I have a um, a nephew who is a, a police officer, and he said, if you ever get four stories that are the exact same, then you know it's a lie because they have rehearsed them and they've studied them and they know exactly what they're going to say. If they are the exact account, then you know it's a lie. When you have four different eyewitnesses, for example, you expect there to be variances because you might notice shirts and you say, well, they had a gray shirt on, but I don't notice shirts. But I say, well, he had a beard. But you don't notice faces really, you notice clothes, you had on a gray shirt. Maybe this other guy notices how tall people or fat people are, and that's the differences between eyewitnesses. So what that does is the differences in the Gospels actually gives the corroboration, it makes it more realistic, because now we're looking at eyewitness accounts that actually their differences do not contradict each other. They go hand in hand. So I'm not saying that you're wearing a red shirt when you're actually wearing a gray shirt. Uh I'm saying, you know, I'm telling you that uh, telling just differences that somebody else didn't necessarily pick up. So that is what's the awesomeness of the Bible is each one of the eyewitnesses that wrote the account wrote it in the way that they saw it. And that's what made the differences so great.
2: Yep. Yeah, that's exactly it.
1: And that's what that's why they're in there. So, okay, let's continue. And Second Peter 2, 1. And there were also false prophets among the people. Just as there will be false teachers among you, they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. We've already discussed that this week, some of the heresies that we are hearing about uh, right now. One of them, the biggest one to me, there are many roads to the top of the mountain that you can, it doesn't matter. And, and really, I, maybe not the biggest one because there are those who say basically they can embrace sin and they're okay with it. They're embracing sin and there's no problem. They're okay with that. So, you know, all of those things that, um, that this is telling will happen is absolutely happening right now. And even more so, I think in these last days, because we as a church, are allowing it to happen. And it continues in verse two. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of the truth into disrepute. Now, can we say that is happening? It's, can you say political correctness? Oh, yeah. Is that not political correctness is a lie masked in, uh, unhurt feelings i guess you might say well i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings even if it's the truth something's going to hurt them well, i don't want to hurt their feelings about that because uh well yeah but it's going to kill them yeah but i don't want to hurt their feelings yeah they'll feel good when they go to hell they'll feel good when they die you yeah. know or whatever when they cut their arm or leg off they'll feel good about it no they won't they're still going to be Hurting.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't want to slap my child's hand when they go to put it on a hot burner because they'll be mad that I slapped their that's hand. That's
1: right, because that that's going to hurt their feelings. Well, it's going to hurt a whole lot more than that once they hit the burner.
2: Yeah, exactly. That's a that's a great example. It yeah, Sure, of, it is.
1: Sure it's it like, is.
2: yeah, I want them to feel good while they're in sin. But once they die, you know that's not my problem. Well, anymore. I
1: want them to feel good in their drunkenness. I don't want them to call I don't want to call them a drunkard because that might make them feel bad about themselves. Of course, I know that it's they're going to get liver disease and probably kidney failure and maybe destroy their families and all that stuff. but you know what at least I won't hurt their feelings you see yeah. if you if you tell someone the truth, they may turn from their wicked ways, even if they don't know Jesus at that point. They may still see the logic and the fact that they're going to lose everything they've got if they continue the path that they're going down. Well, we talked about this last week. A lot of people don't want to witness and call out sin because if that person actually accepts it, then you might have to follow up on it. Well, that's right. That's right. Then, because the Bible says make disciples. Well, what that's is right. making, making a disciple is work.
2: That, that's too much work. I'm already saved. I can just sit around and wait for the secret pre right. of rapture, right? That's,
1: yeah. <laughs> You're One, trying well, to go there, aren't
2: you? Once I'm saved, I can just sit on the couch <laughs> and, and wait, just wait because just, God's going to take us that's out right. of here anyway. I, I don't have to bear any fruit. I don't have to go out and, you know, I don't well, have to, you know fulfill what fulfill I, the I say? Good, I say
1: good luck with that. Yeah. Because if, even if there is a pre-tribulation rapture. I'm good okay? with it. I'm good with it because I'm going. Yeah. But even if there is, what if it's not for 50 years? Well, now you've sat on your couch, you've done nothing, you've lived your life, died before the pre-tribulation rapture happens, and now you're standing before God trying to explain to him why you sat around on your couch and did nothing. And didn't obey his command. And did not obey his commandment, which is? spread the gospel.
2: Well, I was just going to say, what does scripture say about those that don't follow his commandments?
1: That's right. He says, you know, and what does Jesus say? We are to go teaching them to obey his commandments. And so if you're not being obedient, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you how perfect I am. Um, A few nights ago or a few, yeah, about a week ago, I guess. I felt like the Lord woke me up about four, I guess it was. And uh, told me to get out of bed, and I didn't. I laid there, and I laid there, and I tried to go back to sleep. Lord kept on prodding me. You need to get out of bed, and I laid there. I I tried to go back to sleep. Well, that's real obedient, right? Well, I'm sorry. I'm 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 telling you here how perfect I am. Finally, I laid there, and I heard the scripture almost plain as day. Will you not come and sit with me even one hour? That's the one that got me out of bed. Yeah, and so. Will you not watch and pray with me even for one hour? That's what he said. And um that's what got me out of bed. So I hit my feet on the floor about 4.30, got dressed, came out to my office to pray. Who did I meet? I met my son-in-law uh, that we are now, you know, that we were, he wanted to talk to me. 4.30, you know, same thing. God was speaking to him at the same time. Neither one of us knew why he told us to get out of bed. We both did. And we met and we were able to talk about some things that were real important. And so... That's why God does what he does. But what my point to you is, no, I am not absolutely perfect. If I was absolutely uh, perfect, as soon as God said, get out of bed, I'd have hit my feet on the floor and boom, we'd have been off running. No, what did I do? I laid there and said, Oh God, I, I want, I got to sleep a little bit more. But I didn't. Finally, I obeyed. My point to you is, you need to obey. And if you obey the first time, I believe the blessings will be even more. No telling what the blessing would have been if I would have hit the floor the first time but I did not. I decided to wait, but still, I still got up 30 minutes later. Thank you, Lord. It's been a great thing. Uh, and God tells us, I think it's a good thing to get up early in the morning, even though (laughs) I don't want to get up at four in the morning, (laughs) but I've been doing that lately. God seemed to be waking me up almost every day. Get up. It's time to get up. I'm like, God, don't you know what time it is? It's four in the morning, but God wants to speak to us, and boy, it is such a great time. It's so quiet, and there's no distractions, and there's no phone calls, and there's no nothing to just come and sit by yourself and talk to God at four in the morning. It's just awesome. Well, I guess I get get
2: extra time with God because you know my work schedule working overnight. I work alone by myself overnight, so I got plenty of time with God because there's no one else to talk to, so I'm... When you're waking up, I'm getting ready to come home. Absolutely, but, but I love it. I love it because I am there alone. I get to spend as much time with God. You know, I'll put my headphones in and listen to Scripture or listen to to Christian media,
1: and yeah, I just do that while I'm working, and it's it's I enjoy it. Now, here again, as we continue this Scripture, Second Peter uh, two three, I want to reiterate: I do not believe that mega churches are the evil. Okay, that's not my point. I think. There are some mega churches that are worshiping God and are studying the truth. And just the the size of the church, there are a lot of small churches that don't worship God. There are a lot of small churches out there that preach heresies. There are a lot of small churches out there that have succumbed to the American culture that are only in the pulpit because they want their money, okay? So I'm not, I want to make sure you understand that uh, that's not what I'm saying. But what the scripture says right here, says, in their greed... These teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. And I, I have to say, some of the mega churches that we've actually already discussed this week, because I don't, ha- I'm not privy to those smaller churches. They're not, they're not famous, so they're not out there for the world to see. That there are many churches that do not preach the entire gospel that will tr- that only preach the tickling of ears so that um they will make sure that they continue to keep their steady paycheck every single week and i think that's what's going on uh, in the lot some of these mega churches that we were already talking about that these people that they in their greed these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories and that's what i'm hearing a lot on, uh, in some of these, these pr- bigger preachers is the fabricated stories that just make you feel good, that are just motivational speaking, that make you, that tickle your ears and, uh, and make you feel good about yourself instead of telling you that you're on the pathway to destruction if you are not focusing on Jesus and obeying what he has commanded you. Well, isn't that kind of how cults start?
2: Exactly. They just, they find that, that niche to find those people that only want to hear that that specific line that they have to teach. Yes. So it, it brings those in. They keep them happy. And it seems like most of the cults these days that we hear about have or claim to have some Christian basis to them, unless they're completely satanic. But, yeah, it goes back to they they just pick that certain niche and draw that certain crowd in and just keep them happy. Until they drink the well, Kool Aid, you know.
1: And of course, if you're listening to this program, you know we don't tippy toe around the issues. We don't. I don't try to sugarcoat it. I don't try to smooth it over or paint a pretty picture. I'm just giving you the truth. Now, it may be a shock to some of you out there. I don't know. It may not be. But our demographic is uh, about 35, 20 years old to about 35 years old, male, mostly male, is who we talk to. And uh, so you out there that are listening, why is it that it's mostly male? Well, like I said because probably women uh I'm not nice maybe. I'm not trying to be nice. I'm giving the truth. The truth sometimes comes across as not nice. But you men that are listening to this message, understand that I'm speaking to you. I'm number one, I'm a man and I see that men are uh, are weak in the church. Men do not do what they are supposed to do in the church. They do not lead their families. They do not. They are not the head of their household. And so I focus a lot of my messages on men anyway. And so maybe that's why we have so many men. But yeah, the demographic is actually. I was I was surprised to hear that it was so low. But but it is mostly male that of you that are listening out there because we don't tippy toe around the issues. We give the uh, the full. Bible, the full Bible, the full message of God, and that can hurt some feelings. It doesn't necessarily feel good, uh, but that's just the way God has told me to do, and that is exactly what I'm doing. Uh, this second Peter two verse four leads us to that. It makes it for if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. If he did not spare the ancient world when he bought the flood, brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, and if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawless, For the righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. God will rescue the righteous. Now, but I want you to listen to all of these stories. Those of you who believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, and I hate to dash all of those hopes, uh, I, I hope there is one. I don't want to go through any tribulation. It doesn't seem like it's going to be any fun to me. However, all of these messages that, that Peter was just talking about, all of these men were, they stayed in, they didn't, he didn't take them to heaven. He kept them on the were on the earth, and he just brought them away from uh, from the calamity that, that they were experiencing. Well, God tells us in Revelation that we will be sealed by the promised Holy Spirit so that when all of the wrath of God falls, that we will not be harmed by the wrath of God. We will be harmed by the wrath of men. But that's nothing compared to the wrath of God. Those people that are destroyed by the wrath of God live in eternity in hell. Us who lose our heads by the wrath of men will spend and eternity with God. So that is how we live our lives here on his gospel power and how we explain the scripture coming from, I guess, the man's perspective. You ladies that are listening that, that think this is a little bit hard, but it is from the man's perspective. And what my, what my calling, I believe is, is to call you men to stand up and be bold. Once again, be men for Christ and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially in these last days. Until next time, I pray you receive His gospel power today. Shouts of loud obscenities they did not understand man who bore the cross for them walked a guiltless man A godless man named Pilate understood his
0: innocence
1: The so-called godly men of
0: this world boldly pronounced his sentence His
1: lonely walk through town brought shouts and weeping sighs But Jesus walked on boldly Warning with his cries, he said, It's not for me that you should weep, but only for yourselves. If men do these things
0: when the tree is green, what will happen when it dries? Go, got the zeal.
1: Somewhere deep inside, this man, he has no sin But has to play a role, they cast lots And called him
0: names But as he dies, they realize, this man, he bears no shame